0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... The Washington Lawyers Committee on Civil and Urban Rights receives an award and what one company is doing to bring accessibility to the laundry room. Welcome to ACB Reports for January 2019. Happy New Year! During the annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind in 2018, the ACB President's Award, which is not given every year, was presented to the Washington Lawyers Committee on Civil and Urban Rights in recognition of its work on behalf of people who were blind. The presentation was introduced by ACB Executive Director Eric Bridges.
1: We've been working with the Washington Lawyers Committee for Civil and Urban Rights for over five years on a series of different issues pertaining to access, whether it was federal contractors who are blind not being able to have access to renew their annual registrations through a a little website called SAM.gov that millions of federal contractors have to utilize every year that the the General Services Administration operates and owns, whether it was individuals with guide dogs being denied access to Washington, D.C. taxi cabs, and uh, a series of, of other technology advocacy based uh, issues as ACB has uh, continued to grow our influence in the tech community. The Lawyers' Committee has been with us every step of the way. Matt Hanley, uh, the former director of litigation, Deepa Garaya, associate counsel, and Jonathan Smith, who will be speaking with you all in a minute, the Executive Director of the Washington Lawyers Committee, are all here this morning to be with us. It is our great pleasure to have them here, and with that, I'd like to introduce the Executive Director of the Washington Lawyers Committee for Civil and Urban Rights, Jonathan Smith.
2: Thank you, Eric, for that really generous and kind um, introduction. And I can't tell you how much it means to the Washington Lawyers Committee to receive an award called the Partnership Award, because we have really been in partnership through all this work together with ACB. And ACB is really a truly valid partner, and we are really honored to join with you in the work for justice for blind and low vision community. As Eric said, um, I'm here to accept the award on behalf of the Washington Lawyers Committee. But we have with us the two lawyers who really did this work, and uh, Eric mentioned them, Deepa Garaya and Matthew Handley, uh, but it's worth mentioning again. They're really the true honorees uh, here today for their incredible work. The Washington Lawyers Committee is 50 years old this year. We're taking our anniversary as an opportunity to pause and look back at our history as we plan for our future. As we assess our past, several themes jump out one of which is the critical role of the civil rights struggle for persons with disabilities. Just over 25 years ago, the Americans with Disabilities Act embodied in law fundamental principles of equality. The Washington Lawyers Committee immediately founded a disability rights project. But we soon learned that disability touches every aspect of our work. We have partnered closely with ACB to make accessible public accommodations, the digital economy, and employment for persons who are blind. But disability rights affects all of our work. We have cases and projects, cases to protect the rights of persons with disability on our docket related to housing, education, policing accountability, prisoners' rights, and immigration. Disability discrimination intersects with economic inequality and exacerbates racial injustice. We have been privileged to work at the critical intersection of these issues. When he signed the Americans with Disabilities Act, President George Bush issued a signing statement that ended with the following words. The Americans with Disabilities Act presents us all with an historic opportunity. It signals the end to unjustified segregation and exclusion of persons with disabilities from from the mainstream of American life. As the Declaration of Independence has been a beacon for people all over the world seeking freedom, It is my hope that the Americans with Disabilities Act will likewise come to be a model for the choices and opportunities of future generations around the world. The ADA has achieved much, but this promise remains unfulfilled. Far too many people with disabilities are excluded from the economy and isolated by discrimination. The blind community continues to face discrimination and prejudice and our partnership with you to achieve the ideals described by President Bush remains as vital today as it has ever been. We recognize that our victories in the courtroom are only possible because there are courageous people willing to step forward and lead these battles. The American Council of the Blind and its membership has for years been willing to take that step forward and has been one of the committee's most cherished clients and strongest allies. Civil rights challenges are not static and new forms of discrimination emerge with frequency. This is especially true for the blind and visually impaired. New and previous absent barriers to accessibility arise as we become increasingly dependent on technology. Technology should make accessibility easier, simpler and cheaper, but far too often it becomes a barrier. We continue to see inaccessible smartphone apps, automated kiosks, online courses, medical devices, and as we have just heard, common appliances. When the government or companies fail to consider whether new technologies are accessible to persons with disabilities, the resulting products serve only to isolate and to exclude. It has been our privilege to advocate on behalf of ACB and its members to tear down these barriers. The last five years in particular have seen the relationship between the Washington Lawyers Committee and ACB strengthen and flourish, and we have jointly set, set about to bring new legal solutions to 21st century accessibility issues. The range of issues in just these last five years that the Washington Lawyers Committee has tackled with ACB and its membership is staggering. It highlights the continued need for advocacy and, in some instances, litigation in order to fulfill the promise of equal access. The issues the Washington Lawyers Committee has addressed with ACB in the last five years include the following. We have guaranteed that the United States General Service Administration provides an accessible web-based platform for the hundreds of blind and visually impaired government contractors across the country who must use the systems to register and maintain their contracts with the United States government. We have ensured that the DC, uh, the DC area taxi cabs and other ride sharing companies accept rides with service animals. We have worked the federal, with the federal communi- through the Federal Communications Commission to ensure that mainstream computer operating system developers, leading phone providers, and web conferencing services offer products and software that are accessible. We made Barbary the leading Bar Review Preparation Course, accessible to blind and visually impaired law students. Barbary is used by well over 90% of bar exam take- takers, making it an essential gateway to the profession. We secured settlements with hospitals to make touch screens kiosks accessible to blind and visually impaired patients, as well as ensure that all documents are provided in accessible formats. These are only a portion of the cases we have brought to ensure access to the digital economy into public accommodations. You'll see see a theme here. Almost all of the accessible barriers addressed in recent years are the product of advances in technology outpacing considerations of accessibility. What may be less obvious is how the results we have achieved on behalf of the ACB are as much a product of of ABC and its membership as they are a product of our legal advocacy. For example, the success we had before the FCC has only been possible because of ACB's tireless advocacy in support of the passage of the very law we now enforce. ACB crafted the tool that we as lawyers are now able to use to bring accessibility to communications and video devices. Similarly, our success in ensuring that DC area taxicab companies accept service animals grew out of a sophisticated testing operation led by your executive director, Eric Bridges, and your former executive director, Melanie Brunson, who personally documented hours of the frustration faced by persons with service animals who were consistently passed over by hailed taxis. Indeed, in each of these matters in which we have worked with ACB, the cases and solutions have been driven by ACB's membership. You have been indefatigable advocates for the right to a just and equal society during depositions, hearings, mediations, and what I'm sure are far too long conversations with us about the cases. These successes are critical, but clearly not enough. Our partnership remains essential. We are excited to continue to join efforts on the important issues that have animated our partnership, but hope as well that we can expand that work to fight discrimination and access to employment and education discrimination in government services and in the courts, and the dual discrimination of race and disability. Civil rights are under attack, including disability rights. Your efforts will ensure that there's no turning back of the clock and that the forward progress is maintained. We stand together in that struggle. We take pride in having ACB and its officers, staff and membership as clients, colleagues and most especially friends. We are particularly honored to receive this award and we look forward to continuing to work together. Thank you very much.
1: It's my privilege
0: to recognize the Washington Lawyers Committee with the American Council of the Blind President's Award. It's a special award that the President has the discretion to award when someone or an entity has really distinguished themselves as a true partner in our work. So this award is presented to the Washington Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and Urban Affairs for its tireless legal advocacy and for expanded opportunity and equal access on behalf of blind and visually impaired individuals. July 2, 2018, St. Louis, Missouri. Congratulations and thank you. you. That was Kim Charlson, President of the American Council of the Blind.
3: From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports.
0: Many of us who cannot see the electronic display panels on home appliances have often expressed the need for improved accessibility of these devices. Attendees of the ACB Conference and Convention in St. Louis last year learned what one company is doing to make that much-needed accessibility possible The presentation was introduced by ACB Second Vice President John McCann. Washing has never been easier. I'll believe it when I see it, and I'm a blind guy. (laughs) But actually, that that, that kind of plays into this thing. Um, It's one of these incredible stories. So we have a uh, father and son team. I dare say the son is the rock star, probably put it together, rather like that fellow from India who developed the uh, Braille printer out of Lego. I think it's a similar dynamic, so we have Mr. Sam DuPlessis, who is the design lead of First Build, and his son, Jack, who is a sophomore at DuPont High School in, I was going to say university, but it's DuPont High School, which gives you an idea of uh, what kind of wunderkind we got here, from Louisville, Kentucky, so maybe some people in the KCB crowd know uh, this individual have had the presentation. I introduce to you Sam and Jack DuPlessis.
3: Thank you very, very much for allowing us to come and present at your conference. My name's Sam Duplessy, and beside me is my son, Jack. He is a 15-year-old, and I just wanted to share with you um, what we've done through the company that I work for, First Build. I think to show what Jack has been able to invent, you really need to understand a little bit about the company that I work for, and how we can uh, develop products. And, and ultimately, we're finding some solutions for accessibility that are out there that are stuff that uh, we've got talented young men like my son Jack that can work on and develop for us. But just a little bit about First Build First Build is a wholly owned subsidiary of GE Appliances. And we're a little innovation studio where we try to design, build, and sell appliances with 20 people. And so that's a little bitty place. We're on the University of Louisville campus in Louisville, Kentucky. We hire a lot of U L students and we love our relationship with the university. We develop products in an open way. We have a maker space where we have lots of tools and we put all those tools there for us to make appliances and innovate. And we try to make 12 new things a year. Through that innovation, we thought maybe we can invite others to come in openly and innovate with us. And that's how our doors get open to people like Jack and others who have the capability to um, invent things. And that we open our doors and let people to come invent with us. One of the ways we get ideas is through... Uh, Community. You can join our community, it's online, you can come in our door and give us ideas, but we also do something called a hackathon. And a hackathon is where we we invite uh, several hundred people to come spend a weekend with us. It's 24 hours a day, and we'll try to break up into teams of three to four people, and they try to compete for prizes of who can make the best thing. And we don't really limit it to what they can work on. We try to do it in the home, Because being a part of GE Appliances, we'd like to have solutions in the home. And one of our hackathons a couple years ago, our prize winner was a cooktop that was for the visually impaired. And it had um, some really unique features that we thought were rather simple that hadn't been invented yet. It was an induction cooktop and it had burner locators built onto it. So when you placed your pan, it auto located on the burner it had um, voice-enabled, so you could command it through Amazon. And it also had proximity sensors, so when you approached it, it would tell you if a burner was on or if a burner was hot. And um, we thought it was unique. And we, as an appliance manufacturer, had never worked on anything you know, that specific before. So what that did, it made us reach out into the community because we want to build for our customers, and we reached out to... American Printing House for the Blind and said, do you have anybody on your technical team that could come assess this? Is it any good or not? And Larry Scutcheon came in and uh, he said, this is really great. And then he says, it must look wonderful. And I was like, well, where is he going with that? But he goes, but I could never use it because it didn't have knobs. And we just started thinking you know he's he's opening our eyes to how to take a really nice appliance and maybe we did introduced it with cap touch which was harder to use but it'd been a lot better if it just was introduced with knobs and so we, we we started to learn and he said by the way your laundry is becoming impossible to use it's all electronic the knob spins 360 degrees there's no home position Can you just, you know, give me a home beep on this? And at least I know where the knob is. And uh, this is where I turn it over to Jack because Jack was a programmer and uh, I gave him the idea of, can you help me make this thing have a home beep? Jack, why don't you just tell everybody just a minute about yourself and when you started programming and then then talk about your
4: device. I'm 15 now. I started this project around two years ago, at uh, the end of eighth grade, and I've been a pretty active programmer since around fourth grade, so I really wanted to uh, take up this project. So the device itself, instead of just making it beep, I thought, actually try and make it speak out voices so it could announce the the actual settings that were being changed on the washer and dryer. So we uh, started to, I started to prototype that, and we, we got that, a simple idea of what we were um, thinking to make the washer and dryer more accessible, you know, working in a weekend. So when you turn the knob, it would say cottons or normal or whatever it was, you know, it would announce the setting as, it was, as you interacted with it. And the device itself, we made it run on a Raspberry Pi, which is a very small computer about the size of a credit card. And we continually improved it We after we added the knob, trying to make the knob more accessible by you know, adding the voices. We, there's some other buttons on the washer and dryer, and we made it work with both the washer and dryer. So there's different buttons, and we made those speak, and we tried to do as much as we could. And we sent the box with this computer inside of it that hooks into the back of GE washer and dryers through a service port, and we sent it back for feedback, and we got feedback, we, we found bugs, you know, what could change, what could we add, and something we did add was you could get how much time was left on a running cycle, so just many different things as it continually improved and got better and changed uh, for the development of the device.
3: I've got a recording that's on my phone of how the device sounds. What Jack uh, implemented, he implemented this a couple different ways. The first thing he did was a text-to-speech editor that uh, let him develop it quickly. Then we went to recorded voices when it was a simple implementation. But as he started adding features that were requested by the, the people testing it, and Jack didn't mention we, we got to test it at Kentucky School for the Blind in their dorms. And um, there's a Kentucky office for the visually impaired that has a living learning center and we put units there. And also Larry Scutcheon helped us develop this. We had a pair at his house. And um, with all the feedback, we went back to -to text-to-speech and Jack played with the voices. But here's what it sounds like. For the talking washer module, when you turn the main knob, it will speak each setting. Here are the settings casuals, delicates,
1: active wear, cold wash, speed wash, rinse and spin, sanitize, jeans, heavy duty bulky items,
3: towels and sheets, wipes, colors. Some options may vary based on the model of washer that you purchase. In addition, depending on the cycle, you can adjust spin speed, Level.
4: No so these are just some other spin options level. that we added. You. It will also, when you, when you start a cycle, it'll say, you know, starting whatever cycle with however much time left. So that was some feedback we got to add a feature to query how much time was left while the machine was running and you can walk up to it at any time and get that feedback, how much time is left, what's running, what the settings are.
3: So you know if it's got like 20 minutes left in the cycle, you press the button, uh, it'll tell you how much time's left and you can go about and do something else. It, that really came back in feedback from the dorm at the Kentucky School for the Blind. But then Larry said that, hey, this is really helpful because you never really know when it's gonna be done. The story doesn't end there. We did put this product for sale. Being a a company that uh, wants to sell things, we put it for sale and we offered it. We have it for sale on our website. We build it to order. It works with GE washers and dryers that are late models, and we sell it for $199. We didn't stop, we engaged the University of Louisville senior design team to help us redesign it to try to get cost out of it so that we could offer it for less. They've designed a plastic housing and reduced the number of parts. Jack reprogrammed the user interface so that it's easier to use and um, we hope in the next month or two to start offering the same device, same functionality that works on more models of GE washers and dryers for $99. We learned a lot and part of what I have to do in my job as head of technology is feed technology back to GE appliances. So, you know, even if we don't put the development where we had speakers in every washing machine or every appliance, we can change some of the controls so that if it's going through four different settings, at least the top setting has a different beep. So that when you're changing that, you can know where you are at that one position. There were so many little things that we could do that improve the uh, accessibility of our controls. So we fed that back and that's now written into the standards when they launch controls. We've got some models actually that do have speakers already in them. So I, a couple weeks ago, asked, It's a dishwasher, and I asked some some co-ops, their interns in computer science, I said, this unit has a dishwasher, and and the beauty of electronics these days, if it does make things more complicated, the, the microprocessors are becoming more powerful. The dishwasher microprocessor that has a speaker on it had enough capability where we programmed it to talk. It's not in production, we're, we're a ways away from being able to produce it, but we don't have to add any cost. We just have to program it and enable a, um, a voice function to that device. It's something that I continue and passionately work with and try to get our teams to um, engage on. So we have proof of concept, and I hope maybe sometime next year that we can come and tell you how we've been able to do that in other appliances.
0: That was Samuel DuPlessis, design leader of First Build, and Jack DuPlessis, a sophomore at DuPont Manual High School in Louisville, Kentucky. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting.